Welcome in everyone to the Talking Tide podcast. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television, Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com and Southern Fried Sports Radio, along as well the Twitter feed for the podcast, of course, is Talking underscore Tide. And you can get us at our web host at Podbean.com. Also, all sorts of apps, including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We want to quickly thank our sponsors. Southern Ale House, Eight Pizza Bar, and North River Dental Associates. More on them a little bit later in the program. But we come at you in the immediate aftermath of Alabama's second round dismantling of Maryland. Travis Tide rolled in this one by a final of 96-77. And it's now going to be Alabama's first Sweet 16. Since 2004, which of course was the only elite eight Alabama's ever had in the tournament. So things are starting to get historic, at least program wide, pretty quickly, Travis. They are. And a rematch with UCLA coming up here from that 2006 tournament a couple of years later. Alabama, a 10 seed that year, lost to UCLA, who was the two seed back in 2006 out in the West region. I guess it was the Oakland region technically, but Alabama on all cylinders. I think you could say in this one, Chase, uh, when you look across the box score and Shackelford has 21, Petty has 20, Reese with 13, Javon Quinterly with 14, you don't really notice all that much that Herb Jones had just six points in the game. Had some early foul trouble, still contributed six rebounds. But, man, when this team gets it going from three, as we know, that's no secret there. 16 made threes, shot right at 50% from beyond the arc. They do that against about anybody. They're going to have a great chance throughout the rest of this tournament. And, of course, the last time we podcasted, Alabama had not even opened the tournament yet. So we'll we'll kind of touch on Iona just a little bit as we go along here. But but looking at John Petty, Travis, over the first two games of the NCAA tournament, really out of sorts against Iona, didn't shoot the ball well. But beyond just not shooting the ball well, it looked like John Petty kind of lost his poise, lost his head a little bit, almost looked like the younger John Petty. Uh, in that Iona game, and I thought he bounced back really, really nicely against Maryland. Didn't shoot the ball particularly well in the first half against the Terps, uh, but lit it up, obviously, in the second half. And even in that first half, when he, when he wasn't shooting especially well, you got the sense that he, he at least uh, had was playing with some confidence, which I didn't get that sense against Iona. Yeah, it it wasn't there still uh, when you talk about perimeter shooting because it wasn't just the three-point shots that were a problem for John Petty in that game. You know, he was also three of eight from the free throw line against Iona. I'll give him credit, though. He did lead Alabama in rebounds in that win over the Gales with seven. So I agree. I think from a confidence perspective, it, it was fairly on his face. It was pretty obvious that you know, he didn't have it against Iona, but it also wasn't a full-out pout either, like you'll see with some offensive-minded players uh, a good bit of the time when the shots aren't falling. And he was rewarded for it uh, against Maryland. 
you know, on Monday night. And uh, great to see him in the second half. And, and you know he, there's more to his game these days than just the three-point shot. But still, when he can go out there and knock down shots, it takes him and this team to another level. And that's what we saw in the second half when this team really got the separation that led to the win. You know, an eight-point halftime lead, so they weren't in imminent danger uh, after the first 20 minutes. But to get Petty going, and it, it just kind of seems like it spreads to everyone else. And Shackelford, very efficient, scores 21 points on just 11 shots. So uh, that type of efficiency, you know, they shoot 53% from the field, 48.5 from three. Uh, good work on the on the boards, too. I mean, you look at the glass and... I guess I'm looking at this right, but Alabama out-rebounds Maryland 40-19. to 19. Um, 15 offensive rebounds to four. And that's where you get into these guys like Jawan Gary. Alex Reese was heroic, I thought, uh, extending his good play from the second half, especially against Iona. Uh, they're, they're, they're getting legit contributions from so many different guys. And you know, the bench continues to be a big advantage for them. They outscore Maryland 39-9 to off the bench on Monday night, Chase. Yeah, rebounds, definitely something I took note of. And I, I, in the first half especially, Travis, I thought Maryland showed no interest whatsoever in offensive rebounding. It seemed like when, when Maryland put up a shot from outside, especially in the first half, they were all bailing to the other end of the floor. I mean, it looked like, I mean, half the time there were, there were three Alabama players there for the rebound and, and no one uh, from Maryland to battle for it. So that's how you end up with just four offensive rebounds for the game. And uh, of course, you know, with Alabama running away with it fairly early in the second half, midway through the second half anyway, uh, it doesn't much matter after that. But yeah, Alabama dominant on the boards. There's no doubt about it. Uh, turnover wise, Alabama held that number down to 10. Uh, so you certainly like to see that, uh, just a, just a phenomenal all around performance. Shackelford hot again, 21 points for him. He was six of 11 from the field, five of eight from three, four of four from three point range. And what about 11 assists, Travis, for Javon Quinterly? It was noted on the uh, broadcast that, this is the first double-digit assist game for an Alabama player since Gary Waits in 1991. Travis, that goes back to, to, to me and you uh, <laughs> stomping grounds. Yeah, occasionally uh, attending classes at the Capstone yeah. back in those days. You're right, and he had nine, I think, in the first half, Quinterly did. Uh, and great to see Josh Primo back. I mean, again, the, the news – just gets better and better. Now, you know, Jordan Bruner obviously you know, hasn't been as effective because of health issues. But you go with a couple of starters in this one who were guys who were predominantly bench players throughout the season. Um, and Jawan Gary he gets the start over Jordan Bruner. Keon Ellis still in that starting lineup. But Primo comes off the bench, gives you 10. I mean, if you're going to have three guys come off the bench and give you double-digit scoring, you're going to be in pretty good shape. And that's what Alabama got out of Reese, Primo, and Quinterly uh, in the game. So uh, just good stuff all the way around. I mean, it was a total and complete, as you said earlier, dismantling of a, a solid Maryland team. I mean, you know, look, this isn't one of uh, 
Lefty Drizel's old teams up there, and and are you know, uh, um, you know, some of the better teams. Juan Dixon on that national championship team uh, many years ago, but um, you know, a solid Maryland team uh, from a league that we were told so much about going into this conference, and now. When you look at the Big Ten, it's pretty much Michigan, and and that's about it. And you still got Michigan at the top of this bracket as the one seed following a win over LSU earlier in the in the night. Uh, Alabama's the two, so we still could be on a chalk collision course with the top two seeds in the East. Nate Oates, definitely, I, I thought in his comments about Josh Primo before the game sounded as though he was looking more toward the second weekend of the tournament, assuming Alabama had a chance to uh, to get there and even play. Uh, sandbagging a little bit maybe on NATO's part, <laughs> Travis, because uh, Primo looked fine to me. Uh, he, I think he called him a game-time decision, but uh, uh, it, it seemed to me Josh Primo was ready to roll. Yeah, and he wasn't a 10- or 12-minute guy in this one. He played 23 minutes, so... Uh, they felt comfortable with pushing him a little bit, and I thought he responded well. I mean, the threes were great, made a couple of threes there in the first half, but the follow-up dunk he had in the second half kind of spoke to uh, Josh being pretty well recovered at this point. He also had four boards to help in that dominant effort on the glass, but um, yeah, across the board, you you could pretty much find good news wherever you looked. Up next for Alabama, as you noted, UCLA, they come in as an 11 seed, uh, 20 and 9 record for the Bruins. Their first two wins of the tournament come against the BYU Cougars and Abilene Christian. Uh, Travis, your thoughts uh, on UCLA and, and what that matchup might look like for Crimson Tide? Yeah, I mean, just based on seeding, um, you would think it's favorable for Alabama. You know, Alabama uh, got the lower seed from the 7-10 first-round matchup and you know, pretty much controlled and, and dominated the basketball game against Maryland. So you get an 11 seed in UCLA. But again, it's not so much about seeding this time of year because look at all the upsets we've seen in this tournament. It's how well you're playing at the right time of the year. And UCLA and the Pac-12, unlike the Big Ten, uh, to this point, going into the uh, Sweet 16, didn't really live up to it. Meanwhile, the Pac-12 has just been dynamite. Colorado, in the top part of this bracket in the East, went down to Florida State uh, on Monday night. But otherwise, at last check, um, you know, you look at what USC was doing to Kansas uh, in the late game on Monday night. It's been very impressive for the Pac-12. So, Again, you look at that seed number next to UCLA and you think, well, this is about as good a path as you could have hoped for outside of Abilene Christian uh, knocking off UCLA. But uh, it does appear as if the Bruins are playing extremely well at the especially right time of the season. What in the world happened to the Big Ten in this tournament? Michigan kind of carrying the flag for the whole league, but there were Big Ten squads kind of dotting the, the the top seeds all over the place in this one, and it uh, disappeared pretty quick. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I said before the tournament, I, I liked Alabama being in any region as a two that had a Big Ten team as a one, and that's what they got with Michigan. Now, 
I give Michigan a lot of credit because about the midway point of the second half of the LSU game, looked like LSU might be in pretty good shape there, but Michigan was stout down the stretch. And I think LSU also reminded us during the course of that second half over those final 10 minutes or so that not a very good defensive team this year uh, down in Baton Rouge. So uh, it is pretty much Michigan and that's it for the league. But, you know, Ohio State got caught up in some of that Oral Roberts magic, as did an SEC team in Florida. So uh, it's just been that kind of tournament, I guess, Chase, in some ways. But uh, I think a lot of folks are surprised by the the subpar performance through two rounds by the, the Big Ten. Big night for Alex Reese as well, Travis. Uh, we hadn't touched on him much at all. 13 points, uh, hit a couple of big threes. He's got that line drive three-point stroke, almost like that Kobe Bryant stroke. You know, not a lot of air under it, uh, but when he's got it going, he's dangerous with it. He was five of seven from the floor altogether, threw in five rebounds for Alabama. So, uh, and, and I thought he played pretty darn well against Iona as well. He hit a couple of threes against Iona that really I thought gave the Crimson Tide some much-needed breathing room in that one. Uh, so here's a... He, Here's a guy that's that's delivering in the tournament, and, and that's kind of what you expect from a veteran, a senior like Reese. Yeah, and he's being active on the glass, as you pointed out. I think he had three offensive boards in the game against Maryland. Gary, much the same way. Um, you know, those two guys extended a couple of possessions with those type of plays that culminated with dagger-type threes for Alabama in the second half. So, you know, we see Shackelford knock down five threes. We see Petty knock down four. You're right, Reese with three big ones. He had two huge threes uh, against Iona in round one. Um, and, and we sometimes forget about the play that leads to the play. Um, but Reese had at least one of those against Maryland, and Gary had one as well. And you know, that's the kind of stuff it takes as you get deeper into the tournament. Um, you get into these tighter games, you would think, coming up here and uh, scramble plays, 50-50 balls, and not only who wins them, but it seems like more often than not in the immediate aftermath, what happens, you know, the shot, the three, if you win those balls and it leads directly to a three and a close game, it feels like six. It's got to feel bigger to not only your team, but the opponent demoralizing when that happens. And, you know, Alabama's been able to do that here the last couple of games for sure. There's no doubt. And, and, you know, you were talking about Petty kind of being contagious for whatever reason. It seems like on nights when Petty is hot, they're all hot. Uh, And you see there, there are nights when Shackerford's on fire and maybe nobody else is. Nights where maybe Quinterly's on fire from out there and nobody else is. When Petty's hitting them, they all hit them. That's just that's just kind of the sense I get uh, watching this team uh, last year somewhat, but this year even more. Yeah, I think so. Although I, I got the feeling too in this one that you know Petty maybe had his confidence boosted by seeing other guys knocking down shots, even when he wasn't. Um, you know, he, he, we talked about this last week. He, he, he was deferring even in the SEC tournament. 
You know, yeah. we were seeing some of that, and um, you, you didn't see that really on on Monday night. So again, that's a real positive. That's where it starts. You know, is he is he willing? Uh, is he confident enough to to be shot ready and and pull the trigger when he gets those opportunities? And um, I think as he saw some of his teammates with some success there in the first half. Uh, he kind of helped him maybe a little bit, it, it, kind of a reversal, like like you said. Whereas when he usually comes out early and is making shots, it's contagious. Uh, I think maybe he got he got a lift from his teammates, and and I think they keep telling him too. Look, you got to keep taking these shots, and they're going to go in sooner or later. And for this team to maximize, you know, its potential. Uh, it's got to involve John Petty taking 15 plus shots a night, probably. And he took 15 against Maryland. He made seven of them. Four of those were threes. And, you know, you get this kind of result. Talking Tide podcast at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and tune in the Twitter feed, talking underscore Tide. We're going to thank a couple of sponsors really quickly. And then we're going to talk a little Alabama Pro Day, which, of course, is this week. Going to start out by telling you all about North River Dental Associates and the fantastic job that Dr. Jack Smalley and his great staff of dental hygienists do over there. Whatever dental needs you might have, they can get you taken care of. Your children's dentist needs, laser dentistry, the teeth whitening services over there, always popular, endodontics, all of it. They take care of you at North River Dental Associates. Get in there twice a year like you should. If you're in there regularly enough, uh, then you're going to be in and out in no time on a routine cleaning. I've been in and out of there on a cleaning in, in less than 40 minutes sometimes. Typically, they'll have you out of there in under an hour. That's door-to-door. That includes your weight. So it's a fantastic experience. Easy locate, too, right off of 82. Uh, you make that right on Watermelon Road as you go toward Northport, and they're right there in Fairfax Park, uh, not far from West Alabama Pediatrics. If you want to make an appointment with Dr. Jack, do it at NorthRiverDentist.com online, or you can give him a call at 752-3506. Remember, for all of your dentistry needs, call North River Dental Associates. I'm going to tell you about Southern Ale House, also out there in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Great folks there at Southern Ale House recently celebrated their seventh birthday there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Great lunch options, whether you're looking to go maybe a little bit lighter at lunch, you don't want to hit that mid-afternoon crash. Well, great salad options. It's that chopped wedge. You can never go wrong with that. Get it with some grilled chicken on there in one of those house-made dressings that you're going to find at Southern Ale House. They're going to have you those biscuit croutons on that chopped wedge. That's right. Everything scratch house made right there at Southern ale house. That's just lunch. And that's just salads. You got the great sandwiches, the burgers, the yard bird chicken sandwich. Can't go wrong with any of those. And then by the time dinner rolls around, you always want to check the specials board, by the way, at Southern ale house right there behind the bar. You're going to find the side of the day. You're going to find uh, maybe it's the coffee rub brisket, all kinds of different specials on a daily basis. So it's not just your everyday menu that's out of this world at Southern Ale House because it is, but they keep it fresh. They keep it moving with the menu and the specials. And 
that's every reason why you should want to go back to Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Also want to tell you about Heat Pizza Bar down there in the Government Plaza area of downtown Tuscaloosa. Great run from the Alabama men's basketball team, the women's basketball team, with its first NCAA tournament appearance since 1999. Also got a win over North Carolina earlier on Monday. So whether it was the early game with the ladies at lunch or the late game with the Alabama men on Monday night, he pizza bar had you covered not only with the best pizza you're going to put in your mouth anywhere, but all those great big screens you're going to find throughout the establishment and good sports television management. If you know, you know, when it comes to that, they always have, the screens on what you wanted on, what you needed on from a sports perspective there at Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Talk of Tide podcast at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and tune in. We're going to talk a little pro day here in the last couple minutes of the program. Of course, Alabama putting on two pro day workouts for its draft prospects on the football side of things. As usual, the first Uh, March 23rd this week, the 2nd, March 30th, following a week later. And Travis, what's notable, I think, about this pro day, certainly, uh, is that we're going to see more participation, I think, from the stars because there's no combine this year uh, because of COVID-19, of course, no gathering at Indianapolis, right? So what normally happens is Alabama players go to Indianapolis, the ones that light it up and perform well. They go to Pro Day and and they do the interviews and, and, uh, you know, maybe they uh, go through some position drills and kind of call it a day. Uh, Not quite that luxury for some of these guys for this Pro Day, being that there is no combine. Travis, uh, uh, Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith, Najee Harris, Mac Jones, some of the ones to watch for. Now, Smith said today he's not going to be working out. All he's going to do is weigh in. He said he said he's 170 pounds and kind of take it or leave it is how Devontae Smith looks at it, Travis. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he'll weigh in, and, and uh, that'll be it for Devontae. But, you know, the Najee Harris 40-yard dash, that'll be closely watched. Uh, how does Jalen Lawada look uh, coming off of the injury? Of course, he was hobbled in his – uh, final game for Alabama in the national title game. So not sure if he's going to run a 40 or not. If he does, that'll be uh, closely watched by these scouts as well. So I, I think for a change, we're going to see some bigger names uh, do more of these events and workouts. Yeah, because you're right. It's the double, right? Absolutely. So, you know, pro days are what they are. But, yeah, when you combine the the combine angle with it, I think there are a ton of fascinating storylines with this group. As you said, Devontae answered some of that, uh, I guess, on Monday. Although I think his weight is what everybody's kind of wanting to to get some confirmation on. I think there's a couple of guys that fit that bill. Deontay Brown, more so from the other side of things where weight (laughs) is concerned. He's not Uh, 170. No, 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 no. He's He's about double that. Yeah, Yeah, times two. He is 170 (laughs) times two. Times um, two plus a biscuit. <laughs> you know, but what does Najee Harris run? Um, you know, you got some position questions about Alex Leatherwood. Is he a tackle? Is he a guard? Um, how do some of these guys that, 
you know, dealt with some injuries in the last year or so look uh, during the workouts. Jalen Waddell coming off the ankle. Even Dylan Moses, even though he's more than a year and a half removed from his knee injury from August of 2019, obviously he had some issues with that situation throughout the 2020 season. So, you know, where's he at? Uh, you know, nearly two years removed from that injury. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it should be fascinating. Uh, certainly got a, a strong core that is once again heading down the backstretch of the draft process. And, you know, that six first round draft picks continues to be the target for the Alabama program. Of course, the six for Miami. Oh, it's been 15, 20 years ago, I'm, I guess now when that happened. But uh, we'll see uh, how some of this stuff works out for the Alabama players. T-minus about five weeks now from the NFL draft. So uh, we're circling around uh, that big day for Alabama football. And like you said, Travis, a bunch of guys going to be going in that first round. Uh, six a number. It's a tough number to reach. Uh, there's there's seven Alabama players that have got uh, at least uh, an outside shot of being a first-round pick. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, you know, I, I think I think five is probably the more likely number. I think you and I at one point talked about maybe five and a half being the right mm-hmm. over-under for, uh, for this call. So, yeah, six is tough to get to, no doubt about it. But certainly almost all of Alabama's draft prospects this year are going to be gone uh, by the end of the third round. There's not going to be a lot of fireworks for Alabama on the final day of the draft, which is rounds four through seven, because most of these guys are going to be long gone by then. But we'll be talking more NFL draft as that approaches. It's going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Be sure to join us uh, next week when we talk a little bit more Alabama basketball and uh, recap uh, the Crimson Tide's second weekend in the NCAA tournament for you. That and plenty more. We'll talk to you then right here on Talking Tide.